take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. All right, a familiar passage of Scripture this morning. We'll read verses 7 through 9. Joshua chapter 1. So once you've found your place, if you would, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. We'll have prayer, and then we'll begin reading right there at verse 7. All right, let's pray together. Father, how we do thank you for the day. We thank you for the privilege to gather and, Lord, to read through your word, to be encouraged. Lord, we thank you for the great hymns and the special that was given this morning. And we thank you for the message in song that comforts and stirs and prepares our hearts for the word of God. And, Lord, we thank you for your word and the privilege to gather in freedom, to read and to be challenged by the scriptures. And we pray now that you bless the reading of your word. We pray to your Holy Spirit, you'll speak to every heart, be our teacher and guide today as we consider the Word of God. I pray you just make it personal, apply it to our lives. Lord, show us what you'd have us do as we look at these things this morning. Guide us and direct us. Lord, speak to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. This is God's message to Joshua. And let's back up and catch verse 6. He says, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people... Thou shalt divide for an inheritance of the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Wow, what a thought. So I want to preach this morning on verse, the thought from verse 8. Looking at it one more time, let's look at verse 8 again. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. And so from this passage, I want to preach a message entitled, The Foundation of Success. Thank you. you may be seated. The foundation of success. I think every person who comes to know the Lord and, and is anywhere near serious about living the Christian life, they, they begin attending church. They, they get a Bible under their arm, maybe, maybe attending Sunday school and trying to learn the Word of God and, and what the Bible says, not just in the stories of the Bible, but what the Bible says about life and how to live it. And they go about trying to apply those things to their own life. You know, any, any new Christian in that position wants to be successful in their Christian life. They want to live for God. They want to serve God. They, they have that desire down inside to hear one day when they stand before the Lord, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I would imagine that's the category you would put yourself in uh, because you're here today, right? And, and you know, that's what, that's what gets us out of bed on Sunday morning. To, to grow in the Lord and to live for Him 
and to do it well so that we too one day can hear that commendation from the Lord, well done. You know, in order to have a successful Christian life, we have to understand the rules. If you want to win any game, you have to know the rules, right? The Bible says something similar to that. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Yet is a man not crowned unless he strive lawfully. You know, there's a way to strive lawfully in the Christian life. There are some things that we have to know and to do. No doubt God is referring to some of those as he speaks now to Joshua. And who is Joshua? Well, if you remember the Old Testament story, he is the new, the up and coming. He's the next leader after, of all people, Moses. How would you like to fill those shoes? After the leader Moses, the one who brings them into the presence of God, who comes down off the mount glowing with the Shekinah glory of God. Moses, who, who carried the Ten Commandments that were written by the finger of God himself. How would you like to follow in those shoes and be the next leader? Here's Joshua. No wonder he's scared to death. No wonder he's afraid. And, and you know, uh, I'm sure before he considers any task of leadership, he's already having to deal with those feelings of inadequacy and unworthiness. Who am I to follow someone like Moses? So God comes to him with these encouraging words. Be strong and very courageous. <clears throat> Why? That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it from the right hand nor to the left. Hey, can I say verse 7? These are great words for the next generation. These are great words for the up and coming. These are great words for those who want to be successful in the Christian life. Those who want to live for the Lord. Those who want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Hey, because you know there's some things that if you're going to strive, you're going to be crowned, you've got to strive lawfully. There's some things you need to know and there's some things you need to do if you're going to hear that one day. Joshua is this up and coming leader. He hears God telling him, be strong and courageous. He's encouraged several times in this text. And in verse 9, the Lord says, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. You know, the Bible tells us that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Think about that. God wants us to live our lives in the same manner. I believe that's why these words are recorded in Scripture. Sure, at the moment they were for Joshua, but I believe God wants all of us who are up and coming, all of us who are wanting to strive for the Lord, all of us who are wanting to accomplish God's will in our life, He wants all of us to not be afraid, to be strong and of good courage as we live the Christian life. We don't want to just exist. We want to excel. We don't want to just live the Christian life. We want to do well in it. We want to succeed in it. We want to accomplish God's will. The world uses the word success a lot, but you find it's only mentioned once in the Bible. And it's right here in our text that we find that word success. If we look in context at what God is telling Joshua, success is only found in the will of God. As a matter of fact, he encapsulates that concept to teach us that in the Christian life, success is 
the will of God. So when you're doing what God wants you to do, you are successful regardless of what the outcome is. Boy, I don't know about you, but the first time I really got a hold of that concept, it was so relieving, like, man, you mean if I go out on visitation and I present the gospel to someone, regardless of the decision they make, I'm a success. Yes, that's how it works. Isn't that awesome? Because I can't win a soul anyway. Only the Holy Spirit can win a soul to God. Only the Holy Spirit can convict someone to the converting of their soul in salvation. Only the Holy Spirit can bring someone to the point where they're ready to receive what Christ has offered for them on the cross. All I can do is be the messenger and tell them about it. And that's what God commanded me to do. He said, go and tell. So guess what? When I show up and I go and tell, or during the week, if I pass out one of these gospel tracts and I tell somebody about Jesus, guess what? Then I've done my part. I've done what God wanted me to do. That is success. Praise God. Now I know we all like to be able to come back and say, hey, I saw somebody trust Christ. I, I, I saw somebody get saved. Isn't that good? But at the same time, in the Christian life, we have to understand, we have to, we have to get away from the fear, and we have to realize that, that when we do what God wants us to do, that is success, regardless of the outcome. As a matter of fact, many times in the Christian life, we have to do just what that song said. We have to be still and let God take care of the outcome. We have to let God handle the results. Isn't that right? Hey, I'm telling you what, one of the, one of the most amazing stories in the Bible, probably, is the book of Jonah. Jonah... Is a, is a preacher, he's a prophet with a bad attitude. He's commanded to go to people he doesn't even like and to, to witness to them and to give them the word of God. And he doesn't even want them to hear it. As a matter of fact, the opposite is true. He wants God to judge these people. He wants God to annihilate these people. And so when God calls him to go preach to them, oh man, anything but that, he went the other way. He ran from God. Now, God knew what the results were going to be. God knew how, how, what the people were going to, how they were going to respond. God knew that they needed a chance, just like everyone. They needed a chance to hear the gospel. So, so God goes after Jonah, right? And God, God prepared the whale for Jonah, the fish, to swallow up Jonah. Jonah went to whale seminary for three days and three nights, right? He, he, he got that school of hard knocks training. And he finally surrendered to God. And if you read that story, and by the way, isn't it it amazing that it took Jonah being in the whale that long before chapter 2, he finally prays. I'm like, what? Can you imagine being Jonah? Hey, I don't think it would have taken me three days in the whale to get to the place of prayer. I think I would have been at the place of prayer when the storm hit. And if not, surely when they were ready to throw me overboard, I'd been, I would have went over praying. Lord, I'd been like Peter. Lord, save me. Oh, not Jonah. No, sir. Jonah was hard as a rock. Jonah hit the water, went down. I guess he thought, this is it. I'm going to die right here. Good. I won't have to preach to those people. <laughs> he sinks down in the water and then... 
What? He gets swallowed. Then he gets surprised. Hey, I can breathe in here. <laughs> Think about it. So, so God has the whale swimming in the right direction. Jonah finally gives in to the Lord. The whale spits him out. He makes a beeline for the city. He preaches to Nineveh, and the whole city is revived. They all turn to God. Who would have ever thought you would have had the world's greatest revival where everyone's converted, and it all happens at the hand of a, of a preacher with a bad attitude? So look, if you ever wake up on the wrong side of the bed and you think, boy, I shouldn't go to church today because I'm just really not in the right spirit, okay, go anyway. <laughs> just go anyway. God can work with all that, and you'll be amazed it's probably that the message that day is the one you need to hear anyway, so just go. And hadn't there been times like that? You're going out on church visitation or you're preparing to go and something like that happens and you get all, in, you get all angry and upset and, you know, and, and we tell ourselves, well, I shouldn't go, I shouldn't do it. No, always do what God wants you to do and that's how you become a success in the Christian life. Right? And don't listen to all the things and all the voices and all the excuses that tell you don't do it. Because that's just going to make you unsuccessful. Let's talk about success for a minute. Just in general, because the world gives us an idea of success that's very different from God's idea. First of all, I think we need to define success. And we've done that this morning. We said success is the will of God. Maybe, maybe for your personal life, you should just say success is doing the will of God. When you do what God told you to do, that's success. But then I want you to see success demonstrated. Success is demonstrated in the life of Joshua. So it's, it's interesting that God uses this word speaking to this man. There's a lot of people, I think, that God could have used the word success about their life, Right? I think Job was successful. I think Paul was successful. Barnabas is probably another one. Probably several of the disciples you could name. Old Testament prophets, Samuel and Elijah and others. We could go on and on. The Hebrews chapter 11 talks about those who gave their life for the Lord, not accepting deliverance. They became martyrs. I think they were successful. But what about us? Looking at the life of Joshua, we see that there was success in his life. Um, and that he did do what God wanted him to do. He didn't do it all perfectly. No one in the Bible did it perfectly. They were human. They made mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. But they succeeded, and he succeeded in doing the will of God. Joshua demonstrated success. Let, let me just show you in a verse, if I may. Look at Joshua chapter 11. In verse 15, and, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this verse as you've read through the book, but notice what, what the Bible says about Joshua and how he served the Lord. In Joshua chapter 11, verse 15 says, And the Lord commanded Moses his servant, or excuse me, as the Lord commanded his servant, so did Moses command Joshua. And so did Joshua, and then there's a, punctuation there. There's a semicolon. And watch what it says here. Talking about Joshua, he left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. Wow. 
Now, if you're really interested in growing in your personal life, you might mark that word undone. Or maybe the phrase, nothing undone. Joshua left nothing undone of all the Lord commanded Moses. Now, remember what it said on the top of the verse? Everything God commanded Moses, Moses commanded Joshua. He passed on that information. So Moses was faithful to deliver the word of God to the next generation. Joshua was faithful to receive it. But then he acted on it. He did it. That's the challenge that lies before you. When you receive the word of God, you have the same challenge that Joshua had, and that is to obey it. And that's the point of the message this morning. Do you want to be successful in the Christian life? The foundation of success is obedience. Not intention. Although I believe that intention must be held as you receive the word of God, or else sometimes you just don't get it. Intention, having your mind made up, whatever God says I'm going to do, that helps you to obtain, to gain awareness, to get the concept, uh, to, to understand the teaching of the word of God. But once you know it and understand it, the challenge then is to do it. And doing the word of God, doing the will of God is what makes you a success in the Christian life. So we have salvation defined. Success is doing the will of God. We have, uh, we have success now demonstrated in the life of Joshua that he left nothing undone. And then we have success delivered. We're in Joshua chapter 1. Turn over to Joshua chapter 3, just for a moment. Notice what Joshua says now to the people. He has taken the baton. He has stepped up his leadership. He has received the commandments of the Lord, and he's about to begin doing them as we begin the book. And in chapter 3, verse 7, notice what it says here. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And that's not the verse I thought it was. Let me see if I can find it. Apologize, I wrote it down wrong. All right, so let me just tell you the, let me just give you the point then. And I'll have to find the verse later, I apologize. So the, the point is, they're going to they're gonna step out in, in the coming moments, and they're going to follow the Ark of the Covenant. And, and Joshua is giving them the instructions. And he tells them that as they... Uh, as they move forward and, and as, the, as the Ark of the Covenant moves, he's going to tell them to go after it, to follow the Ark of the Covenant. All right? And so success delivered is when Joshua teaches the people to do the same thing, to follow the Lord, to go after it, to do his will. And that was the point of, of the verse, and I wrote it down wrong. I apologize for that. 
so, so you and I have the same opportunity to be successful as the great leaders of our day and even of the past, like Moses and Joshua, because we too can go after the will of God. We too can, can follow the Lord and we can obey his will and we can carry out the instructions that God gives to us. Hey, it's so important that you be willing to hear and receive what God speaks to you about and then do it. And if there's anything more important than that, I would say it's this, is that you not only be willing to receive it, but that you actively seek it. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Right? Those that seek his face are the ones that dwell in his presence. Read what the Bible says about those who abide with the Most High, the ones that are in the secret place. It's, it's not good enough just to catch what God drops in your lap. Every Christian really should be seeking the Lord and seeking opportunity and trying to find what he has for you to do instead of just waiting around for him to come and call on you, right? Seeking the Lord. This text in Joshua chapter 1 gives us a couple of things. If you want to be successful in the Christian life, first we have a prescription. Notice in verse 7 and 8, notice it says, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. Observe to do. The word observe doesn't simply mean to see. The word observe means to carry out. Observe. If you're observing something, it means you're conducting your affairs according to that standard. And that's the idea this is written with, that thou mayest observe to do. Notice in verse 8, it says that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Talking about in the word of God. Observe to do. The prescription for success God is giving us here in this text is that we observe to do, not to know. I find that interesting, isn't it? God didn't say observe so that you can know it. He said observe to do it. Okay, so we want to understand something about the two things. There's, there's knowledge, which is important, and obviously you have to know before you can do. So knowledge is important. We do want to know some things, and we do want to know the will of God. We, we kind of want to be like the renowned of Israel, to understand the times and to know what to do, what God wants. What does God expect of a Christian in these days? We, we should understand those things. But, you know, there's, there's a line that can be crossed in the realm of knowledge. And I believe at times Christians cross that line with, sometimes without realizing it. We, we get on a quest to know, to know, to know more things. But we have to be careful lest we become educated beyond our obedience. We have to be careful lest we, we know more than we do. Let me show you what I mean. Look at 2 Corinthians, if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul gives a great admonition here to the church at Corinth. Probably because of the way they were caught up in hearing and receiving of stories and philosophies. They were interested in new things. 
<clears throat> and it looks like this one is incorrect. Also, maybe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Yes, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Notice, he says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up. He says, but charity edifieth. Paul says knowledge can only do so much. And as a matter of fact, too much knowledge can get you in trouble. Why? Because it begins to affect your spirit. Knowledge puffeth up. What do you think that puff is? It's not a pocket of air. It's pride. So we can become so knowledgeable that we become proud as Christians. And we will stumble over that pride. It will become a stumbling block that will trip you up along the way. Well, how does it trip you up? Knowledge puffeth up. Now, I want you to understand something. Again, we want to balance knowledge and obedience. Those have to come in harmony in our lives. Let me show you, let me show you another verse. Look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. We use this in giving assurance when someone trusts the Lord as their Savior. Or, or maybe we use this as a preface to show someone that you can know that you're saved. 1 John five thirteen says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know. So we have to understand in the Bible, there are some things God wants us to know. But God also wants us to do. So how do you bring these two in harmony? Let me show you. Turn to James. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And look at verse 22. He says, but be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man, the doer, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Powerful truth. So, so obedience is the key. We want to harmonize our knowledge and our obedience. We want to make sure there's balance. We want to make sure that we're not educated beyond our obedience because when we do that, we're deceiving our own selves. We feel and we think sometimes that our knowledge takes us to another level, a higher status, if you will. But if we have knowledge without obedience, then it doesn't. It only produces pride. That pride causes us to judge others. It causes us to belittle, to condescend. We we get into sins of the Spirit if we're not careful. And that does not bring success in the Christian life. Success in the Christian life comes from when we do what we know. When we're obedient to the will of God and to the Word of God. When we're doing What God says in whole, not just in part, we become doers not only of the word, 
But did you see James? Did you see he changed it? Not only doers of the word, but we become doers of God's work. There's a work that God is trying to do in the world. And the more we understand the word of God, the more we understand what that work is. And we begin to do it. We begin to participate in it when we're obedient to the word of God. The prescription of success. There are things God wants you to know and there are things God wants you to do and make sure you have the right balance. But notice also in our text in Joshua chapter 1, there is not only a prescription, there is a, there's a process. How do, we make, how do we get to that balance? How, how, do, we, how do we make the connection? How, how do we ensure that we're taking what we know and then appropriating that into obedience? Hey, listen, hear me this morning. This is where... Many Christians, let me say most. This is where most Christians struggle. Connecting what they know to what they do. This is it. This is where the problem is. This is why Christians wake up and say, how did I end up here? This is why Christians have things happen to them and say, why me? And they'll come to you with their problems and they'll say, well, here I am just minding my own business. I'm just living my own life and look what happened. And if you're a Christian with discernment, oftentimes as they begin to unload the truck and tell you what their scenario is, you begin to realize, ooh, oh, ouch. And in your mind you're thinking, wow, But if you'd done that right here, if you'd connected this with that, boy, if you only, if you had, if you discerned this part right here, oh, you wouldn't be in this situation. And many times the truckload of problems that we have is because we have a failure, a disconnect between what we know and what we do. When we don't apply the knowledge that we have, the spiritual knowledge that we gain from the Word of God, it affects our everyday life, the way we live it, and the consequences that we have to deal with. And I'm telling you, it's sad sometimes when you're talking to someone who wants to understand their problems. They want to improve their life. They want it to be better than it is. But it's not. And I'm telling you, the reason it's not is because there's a disconnect between what they know and what they do, and they don't get it. And you know, there are times when never the twain shall meet. You just, you can't help them get there. Hence the message. I'm trying to help you not be one of those. What's in between knowing and doing? How do you make the connection? Well, there's a spiritual muscle that you have to go to God's gym to exercise in order to bring those two points together. If you're going to have the strength To do that, you're going to have to work out a little bit. And the muscle is called discernment. And if you don't have the ability to have discernment in your life, then you're going to fail often at connecting what you know to what you do. And when you fail to make that connection, the results in your personal, physical life are are going to, they're going to reflect the failure of choice and the, and the lack of discernment, problems and other things are going to creep in 
that didn't have to be there. But they have come as a result of a failure to connect something previously to that. So how do we get this discernment? How how do we ensure that we make the connection between what we know from God's word and how we live our Christian life? What is it that helps us with that? It's in our text. In verse 8, God said to Joshua, if you're going to be successful, Joshua, remember the only time success is mentioned, here it is. God is telling Joshua, this guy that has the big task of filling the shoes of Moses. Okay, Joshua, you want to be good at this? Let, Let me show you what you need. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt what? Meditate therein. Day and night. Why am I meditating on this? Why am I spending so much time again and again and again and again and again going back to what I know and trying to connect it? Why am I doing that? Well, he continued with, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. You see, without meditation, you don't observe to do. Without meditation, you don't, it's not according to all. You only do parts. What is meditation? It's not sitting in a corner, turning your mind into, you know, cyberspace or something like that. Meditation is when you think and dwell on the verses of the Bible, the principles that God gives us in our, in our church time, of course, but then regularly in our daily devotions, the things that God speaks to us about, verses that tell us what to do. We go back in our mind again and again and again, and we think about those things, and we think about God's word, and we think about what it says, and how do we apply that to life? What does it mean when God said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart? Right? And we practice that, and we practice that day in and day out in our everyday life. We trust God with our, with our tithes and offerings. We, we trust God uh, with our income and, and taking care of our families. And we, we trust God in situations that are outside our control. And, and we, we listen to those spiritual songs, and, and we, we, we discern. We learn there are times that we be, just be still. And let God give the answer. And let God answer that accusation. And let truth uh, be proclaimed. And let truth be our defense. But it takes practice. And it takes thought. It takes understanding. When do I apply this? And when do I apply that? And to what situation? And how long? Now you can misapply it. You can say, okay, well, hey, that song said I just need to be still. Okay, I know I need a job, Lord. But, I, but that song said be still. So, you know, I'm just, going, hey, I'm just waiting. Lord, right here, you just drop it on me. Right? If we apply it like that, we're misapplying. He told Joshua that thou mayest observe to do. There are some things we have to, you got to get up and go do it. Hey, you know what? You have to have devotions. Don't wait for the Holy Spirit to come whisper some text in your ear. I'm going to go read that today. You're going to be really hit and miss in your devotional life if you're waiting on that. You need to have a regular, planned program, some kind of list. You need to be working through the scriptures, reading the Bible, He said all, according to all that is written therein. 
when I implemented a Bible reading schedule in one of our other churches that I pastored, at first people resisted that. They were like, you know, preacher, I, do we really need to do that? Look, I've been going to church for years. <sighs> that was kind of the way they approached Bible reading. You know, oh, brother, we got this list we got to check off. Well, we were doing it as a church family, right? Who read their Bible this week? Hey, we were having fun with it. And after several weeks went by, a couple of months went by, I started hearing people say, hey, you know, this is pretty good. Of course it is. It's the Bible, man. What do you mean? It's great. I heard people start to say, hey, you know, I like this. They said, hey, I'm finding out that, you know, our family's reading the same verses. Now we can talk about it together. We're having conversations around the dinner table and we're discussing the same stories and situations. And this is good. We've never done this before. Go figure. I thought, hey, that's great. After a few of those kind of testimonies, one of the older ladies in the church who thought she didn't need this <laughs> came and said, Pastor, you know, since I've been following that Bible reading, you know, I have read places in the Bible that I've never read before. <laughs> I said, really? She said, yeah. There's some pretty good stuff in there. I said, well, I know. That's the Bible. See, the reality is, if we don't have a list, if we don't have something that takes us to all the corners of the Scripture, then you know what? We, we just keep going back to the parts we know. Out of sight, out of mind. We don't think about Jehoshaphat. We, we, don't, we don't think about you know, some of these minor prophets, Hosea, Gomer, isn't he on the TV show in the Marine Corps? No, 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 no. You got it all wrong. Hey, listen, there's people in the Bible that you probably didn't even know existed, but you got to get in there and read it to find them, to know their story. One day you're going to be in heaven. You might live next to one of them and they're going to say, hey, did you read my book? Who are you? That's going to be embarrassing. Elisha? Well, I heard of Elijah, but I don't know about Elisha. I don't know who you are, right? Well, you don't want to be in that situation. How do you get around that? Well, you have to meditate on the Word of God. You have to think about what you hear. Think about what you read. So that means in the morning when you have your devotions, you spend your time, you do your reading, you check that off. But you're not done. It may take more time, hear me now, it may take more time for you to think about what you read than it actually took to read it. Because I'm going to submit to you this morning that if you just read it and you spend zero thinking about it and you don't apply it, then you have a much harder time putting it into practice. The challenge for you First is to have devotions. I get it. But, but your next big challenge is to come away from those devotions with something to think about all day long. Right? So that you can digest the Word of God, not just taste it. How healthy you think you would be if every time you went to the supper table, you chewed up a mouthful and then spit it out. Boy, that tasted good. Let me get another bite. Chew it up and spit it out. That wouldn't last very long, would it? <laughs> You'd blow away. <laughs> you got to eat that stuff. You got to digest. You got to swallow. 
And your body has to digest. You have to take in all those nutrients. Well, in the spiritual world, we digest through meditation. And then through participation, putting it into action. There's some of these great things, great truths of the Bible that you're never going to learn. You're never going to grow in unless you do it. You know that list we talked about in, in, in Peter, add to your faith, you know, knowledge, temperance, virtue, all that. Look, look, you don't grow in those things without doing them. You, you don't even grow in faith without doing it. There's only so much faith you can have from hearing. I know faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but guess what? In order for you to have great faith, you've got to start doing some things. You don't have to just know about trusting God. You've got to start trusting God if you want your faith to grow. It takes practice. It takes, it takes effort. It takes growth in that area, which comes from your participation. And that develops into skill. No wonder there were certain individuals that Jesus was impressed by and said, wow, how great is their faith. That wasn't an accident. You don't just roll out of bed in the morning having great faith. You work at that. If you've been saved any length of time, you, you know the Christian life is, is no picnic. You, you, don't, you don't just uh, you know, fall off the porch and be a great Christian. No, it takes a lot of work and dedication, a lot of effort, a lot of discipline to do right and to do it consistently. So we have the process. It's meditation. Let me just show you a few verses. Look at uh, Psalm 1 with me, if you would. Psalms 1. All right, and I'm just going to ask you to listen a little bit faster as we try to wrap this up, all right? I just need to talk faster, huh? Psalm chapter 1, look at verse 2. The Bible says there, but his delight, talking about the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he what? Meditate. He delights in it. So you know what he does? He savors and chews, thinks. He thinks about it. He dwells on it. He's meditating on the word of God. It's kind of like when you take a bite of something good. You don't just chew it a couple times and swallow. Boy, you roll it around and you savor that. Oh, this is good, right? That's what we do with the Bible. But we do it through meditation. That, that is our savoring. Look at Psalms um, 77. Let's turn over there. I'm just going to hit a few of these. Psalms 77, and let's look at verse 12. He says, I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. You know what we talk about? We talk about what we know. And you know something well when you've meditated on it, when you've thought it all the way through. And you know why people don't take certain actions? Because they haven't taken the time to think it all the way through. I've been amazed lately at how many of these touch-and-go people that I've seen, even as Christians, where we, we really are guilty. We don't pay attention to the details. We miss things that are obvious because we're not paying attention. Hey, that's not going to get it. You're not going to be a success in the Christian life like that. Slow down. Pay attention. Take a closer look. Meditate. Come away with some thought. Spend some time thinking about the Word of God 
He said, I will meditate of thy work and talk of thy doings. Go to Psalm 119. <clears throat> the whole chapter is good. It, Psalm 119 is entirely about the scriptures. But if you look in verse 15. <clears throat> He says, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. <clears throat> hey, the people that don't respect God or his word are the people that don't know it. Isn't that right? How do you get to know something? We have to understand it. And you can't understand it unless you spend some time thinking about it. That's why people don't get saved often the first time we witness to them. It takes a thorough presentation of the gospel. And it takes them hearing it several times before they finally get it. I read a statistic one time in business, and they said the average employee has to hear instructions 11 times before they fully understand it and can repeat it to someone else accurately. 11 times. 11. Man, I was thinking like three. No, 11 times. Why is that? It's because we don't pay attention. We don't pay attention. <clears throat> I worked out at the plant construction a few years ago, and I was on the work order crew for a time. And part of what we did was to set up, take down, prepare for change, that kind of stuff. So often our job involved, you know, like posting signs for changes in the roadway, to changes in the pathway, to notifications about hazards in the area, all that kind of stuff, okay? We were constantly putting up signs that said this, that, and the other, always. And you know what I found? <clears throat> People don't read signs. You're wasting your time because they don't read signs. Some of them can't read, okay? But, but that should be like, you know, a few, <clears throat> most of the people that I worked with could read. That wasn't the problem. <clears throat> most of them just didn't read. They just didn't. As a matter of fact, if you said, did you see that speed limit sign? Where? <laughs> you didn't even see the sign. How are you going to read it? Right? They're not paying attention. But, but wait a minute. Don't, don't just say them. We do that. We do that. We have to be careful in the Christian life that we take the time to meditate, to think about what God wants us to know and do. How about Psalm 143? <clears throat> Let me give you a couple more of these and then we'll wrap it up. Psalm 143, verse 5. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. The word muse means to stop and ponder. It means to think about. I muse. Now you know that because the word amuse means not to think. Like amusement parks, that's where you go to not think. Okay? It's just all fun, entertainment. It's distraction. You don't think about anything. Because <clears throat> if you were thinking, you wouldn't get on some of those. Anyway, I'm just kidding. <laughs> amuse. He said, I will muse at the work of thine hands. Turn to one, one more. Let's just make this the last one. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's jump to the New Testament. <clears throat> 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look with me at verse 15. Paul writes to Timothy. 
in this long list of things that he tells him, you really need to do these things. Here's one of them. Verse 15 says, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. Why? That thy profiting may appear to all. Hey, listen. Nobody has ever grown in the Christian life without their benefits shining for everyone to see. We're amazed at what God makes out of people's lives. Hey, listen, do you know God's still in the making business? Do you know that didn't stop right after you got saved? But somewhere along the way, we just figured, hey, Christianity, right? Been there, done that. I've been going to church faithful years. I got it. I got a King James Bible. I'm good. I know. I know it all. Really? Really? How come there's always new books being written? We don't know it all. We don't even know half. We got a lot to learn and grow in. And Paul told Timothy, hey, if you want to be successful in the Christian life, he said, meditate upon these things and then give yourself wholly to them. Why? So you can be obedient. Because some of the things you're going to learn in the Christian life, they are hard to do. Hard to do. And this casual Christian stuff, where you don't even spend time thinking about it, that, it's not going to get you over the hump when you get to the hard things. I'll tell you that for sure. Give thyself wholly to them. Hey, let me ask you something. <clears throat> when we were in missions conference, we talked about those that first gave their own selves to the Lord so they could give great offerings, and it impressed people. <clears throat> hey, I want to ask you something. Have you ever given yourself wholly to the Lord? Not, not, not just for offerings. But just back up, and, and, and for any reason, Lord, hey, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Maybe you just want me to sit by and watch. Maybe you just want me to be the support guy, the helper. Hey, that's fine. Every, every craftsman needs a helper. <clears throat> but have you given yourself wholly to God and his word? Are you willing to do all the things that God has taught you to do? The process to success is obedience. It's learning Meditating, connecting what we know to now what we do, what we do. Just because you've learned something doesn't mean you know it. Are you doing it? That's the question. Lastly, I want you to see the promise as we close. Look at, look at our text again. Joshua chapter 1. He said in verse 8, For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good Success. Now, this word success in the Bible is not spelled with dollar signs. We always think of money when we think of prosperity and success. But hear me this morning. There is much more to those words than just finances. Financial success, financial prosperity is great. But there are a lot of people in this world who have that without the rest. And it becomes worthless. Can I remind you this morning that money is paper (laughs) with government print on it? And it's only good while supplies last, okay? Things could change tomorrow and that money would be worthless. We have to understand how fragile this whole system is. And we have to make sure that our value is still aligned with heaven's values. If we try to live the Christian life 
while being aligned with worldly values, we will sell out all the prosperity and success God wants us to have for finances. And we'll miss the boat. Look, all the wealthy people in the world, hey, that's great. I'm glad you have all that money. But in eternity, the question is not going to be how much did you make? It's going to be what did you do with it? What did you do with it? If you didn't use it for the Lord, you're going to suffer loss. You will have no reward and there will be nothing to show for your whole life. The bottom dollar sign to the world, whoo, that's everything. But we see beyond that. And we know that the bottom dollar sign is not everything. The bottom dollar sign only helps us to have resources now to invest in what really matters. Don't you ever wonder why God does his greatest work with people who have no money? Isn't that interesting? Wow, it's like there's other people that could do it so much better, but God's not using them. Maybe it's because they're not even doing this process. They don't even understand the value system. They've got it all wrong. God said, then shalt thou make thy way prosperous. Hey, how about having a prosperous life? I'm not talking about your bank account. I'm talking about the way you live. How about having a prosperous family? How about having things like contentment, joy, peace? You can't buy that with money. God said, this is the way to be prosperous. You want to be successful? It's through this book. Notice what he said in verse 7 and verse 9. He said, um, turn not to the right hand nor to the left. He said, uh, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And then in verse 9, he said, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Can you imagine having the the fullness of the presence of God, the joy of, of the Lord's accompaniment in your life? You can't buy that. And that doesn't come, by the way, with being successful with money. But it does come with obedience to the will of God. That is an, is, a, is an asset of life that can only be acquired through God's version of being successful, which is obeying what you know. <clears throat> so as we wrap this up tonight, <clears throat> this morning, <clears throat> let, me, um, let me ask you to consider a couple of things. Have you left anything undone? The Bible says of Joshua, he received the commandments of the Lord that he gave Moses. He received those commandments from Moses. And the legacy of Joshua's life was this, that of all those things that God commanded, he left none of them undone. I want to ask you this morning, is there anything in the Christian life that you know in your life right now is undone? If there is, it's time to make the connection. Number two, how well do you consider or meditate? How well do you apply God's word to your daily life? You should rate yourself on that. On a scale of one to ten, ten being the best. Are you a three? A five? Seven? Where, where, where is your discernment? your ability to connect what you know to what you do.
And then lastly, if you want to be a successful Christian, you have to answer this question. Are you expecting success in your own Christian life without putting in the work to get there? You know that old saying, if you keep doing what you've always done and you expect different results, right? They, expect, they say that's insanity, right? Crazy. Well, guess what? It's true for us too. Are you expecting success in your Christian life without putting in the work that it takes to get there? Let's bow our heads. Dear Holy Spirit of God, we asked at the beginning of this message, Lord, that you would guide our hearts and minds, <clears throat> that you would show us <clears throat> what you have us to do. <clears throat> so, Lord, we ask you now in this moment, this time of invitation, where we're given the opportunity to respond, we pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would prompt us, that you would show us, Lord, how to move, how to respond. Do we have things undone? Do we need help applying and meditating so that we can do the things we know? And Lord, are, are, we, are we putting in the real work necessary to be successful in the Christian life? Lord, help us. You show us how to respond and what you'd have us do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.